You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are moved into a new sermon series called What I Wish I Had Known Sooner. Today, specifically, we are talking about what it takes to be a great leader. We're talking about leadership today. We had just done this uh, actually about four months ago, uh, but we are in the series on 1 Timothy, and this has come up again, and uh, this is what God's Word has for us today. So we're going to talk about leadership from the perspective of of Paul's writing to one of his protégés, Timothy. Essentially, here's the background on the letter. St. Paul sent his disciple Timothy to address some problems in the Ephesians church. He sent his mentee to go and deal with some of the issues. Paul is now older. Oftentimes he's writing from prison. And so he sent his disciple, Timothy. As an older man, Paul is also training Timothy to take over. Paul is not going to be with us forever. In fact, church history tells us that he is killed by the sword for his faith. And so he's passing on wisdom before he is martyred for Jesus. And these are his words to Timothy and this community about how to be church, about how to follow Jesus well. And today's passage has to do with leadership. And so we're going to take a a few moments and just hear what Paul has to say about leadership in our hearts and in our actions and in our lives, but also in the church. In third grade, I was in student council. Wow. Uh, I know. Powerful. I put it on my resume. And uh, it was then that I kind of had my own uh, coming to grips with what leadership meant. I was a shy kid, if you could believe it. And I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't, I wanted to be cool like all the rest of the kids. Um, I got to be, uh, my third grade teacher loved me. She, her name was Mrs. Peterson. And she, one time she told the whole class, she was like, James is going to be mayor someday and we should all vote for him. And it was one of those times that just touched my heart. And now that I'm a grown man, I would never run for mayor in my life. I wouldn't (laughs) trade that man's (laughs) troubles for nothing. But she let me be in student council. And it was that I, I mean, I learned the tension of leadership, which is essentially there's a lot of competing wants and desires from people. When I would go to my third grade student council meetings, the, the kids would tell me what I should advocate for. A lot of it was food based, right? They want chocolate milk every day in the lunch Soda line. machines. No, we were third grade. Oh, third grade, that, yeah. yeah just chocolate I'm milk. High school problems. I will tell you, by the time I got to fifth grade, there was chocolate milk every day. See? I didn't, it had nothing to do Change at all that with, matters. <laughs> with me, but Vote it James was Lyle. exactly oh. what it was. It was me. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> uh, a pizza wanted more pizza. Uh, kids would yell out. They wanted more recess time. They wanted me to try to get rid of all homework. Right. Essentially, I was a leader that had no power, but a lot of competing <laughs> desire. Us away from even pursuing leadership. Many people don't want to be leaders precisely because of that, but also because leadership looks hard. It looks difficult. Um, it looks, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of scrutiny, not a lot of thanks. And uh, yeah, it's a difficult job. Keeps us away. But reading God's word, we believe everyone is a leader somewhere. Everyone. Thinking back to school, sometimes you're the line leader. Sometimes you're in student council. It, really for us, uh, it, we believe that leadership boils down to influence. Who do you have influence? We believe everyone has influence over someone. Uh, and that's why we think everyone can be a leader somewhere, right? Because they have influence somewhere. The questions are not, do I want to be a leader? 
the questions are, what kind of leader am I? And what am I influencing my people toward? And so leadership isn't, this isn't a sermon for a select few. This is a sermon for everyone. And you need to be thinking about where your sphere of influence is. I'm not a leadership expert by any means. In fact, I struggle with this area of, of my vocation. But what I do know is that I want to be better tomorrow uh, than I am today. And I assume that that's where you are. And so maybe today, going over these three points about what leadership is can help us think about leadership more deeply and how we influence. And so my question for us on the panel is, who is coming to mind when we think about that definition of leadership? Leadership as influence. Is there a mayor for Thermalito? Because... If there was. Like, Palermo has an unofficial mayor. Yeah. Huh? Maybe we need to get a yeah, Thermalito a unofficial. unofficial. Chocolate sorry. milk for everybody. You know, if I grew up and I was like 60 and everyone just like <laughs> called me mayor, that'd be, that'd be yeah, my be dream. be okay with that? Yeah. You guys talk. Um, do you have anybody in mind? Yeah. Okay, I, well, uh, when you first started talking about this, uh, the two people that came to mind um, for me are Brene Brown. And uh, Jen Hatmaker, and they are two authors uh, and influencers that I have been following, and they have, they obviously they're authors, so they have a couple books out, and I've read all of their books um, in the past couple of years, and I just find them um, really fascinating. And the one thing that you are saying about leadership that Brene Brown talks about in one of her books is standing in the wilderness. And I think that is so um, spot on about being being a leader, being an influencer, um, oftentimes does have you standing out in some lonely wilderness because you're taking a stance on things that uh, not a lot of people are yeah. yet, or not a lot of people are willing to yet. Um, and so, yeah, being an influencer means standing alone sometimes. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. What I love about those two ladies, too, is they lead with uh, transparency in their own lives because we have so many leaders who are not transparent, (laughs) obviously, in our country. Like uh, and so for people of influence to be transparent, be like, I'm really struggling and here's my current issue. And let me talk in a way that helps you come along with me rather than, uh, yes, all you people down there with that problem. um, I think we're kind of throwing that like way in our current culture of just like the 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 usually the man who is just like yes i am impenetrable i'm a superhero that knows exactly how to act and i tell it that that's all going in the trash can at this point and so um leaders who are really transparent so that those are two great examples um i think about the guys who uh run my school uh don and devin um thomas and don phillips um I think the reason that I think of them is two reasons. A couple of leadership tips that I that I learned from Don is whenever there's any sort of meeting, uh, he brings lunch, and I'm like, man, people are so much more willing and ready to learn and listen when we're fed, you know, that <laughs> there's food. But I think the other thing is, um, no matter what decision they make, it's always based for the kids. And I think when you're like with and it could be, you know, I could disagree. I normally don't. But even if I do, I can never disagree with their heart. And that's what I don't see in leadership a lot is that uh, they're out for themselves or they're out for special interests or they're out for their investors or they're out for the ring at the top. And I just feel like the great leaders are the ones who are 
at their heart are the people, um, you know, like the pastor that listens, listens to the board, but hears the congregation, you know, rather than just does whatever the, you know. So I just, I appreciate leaders who, and I think there are two examples of, they always have the kids in mind. Um, and I, I think that about you too, James, that you just think about what is ultimately what's best for the church. So, um, yeah, those are some of my leaders in my life. Thanks. You stole mine because mine was going to be you two uh, in that I, I feel like you didn't intentionally set out to be leaders. It wasn't like you're trying to amass some kind of great kingdom, but you have a lot of influence. Um, sometimes I think that maybe you even uh, try to like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but you don't always, I don't think you see how much influence you have, both of you, but uh, I do think that about you guys, that if we're talking about leadership as influence, you guys are up there. Here's our story for today. It's really seven verses. Paul is writing this letter to his protege, Timothy. Uh, Hear now the word of the Lord from 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. It says, this saying is reliable. Remember, we had a motto last week. Paul has about four mottos, five mottos in his letters. And here's a second one. The saying is reliable. If anyone has a goal to be an overseer in the church, they want a good thing. Overseer here language is really bishop, someone who, uh, who looks over, supervises is, is maybe a language that we would use nowadays, which is what they use in the next sentence. So anyone who wants to do that desires a good thing. So the church's supervisor must be without fault. They should be faithful to their spouse, sober, modest, and honest. They should show hospitality and be skilled at teaching, right? They shouldn't be addicted to alcohol or be a bully. Instead, they should be gentle, peaceable, and not greedy. They should manage their own household well. They should see that their children are obedient with complete respect. Last slide. Manage their own household. How can they take care of God's church? They shouldn't be new believers so that they won't become proud and fall under the devil's spell. They should be. They should also have a reputation with those outside of the church, a good reputation with those outside the church, so that they won't be embarrassed and fall into the devil's trap. Twice now, the devil's stuff going up. You know how I preach? Head, heart, hands, or no feel, do. I use that language interchangeably because there's something that God wants us to know with our heads experience with our hearts and do with our hands and if we can think about scripture in that way it'll give us a holistic faith moving from our head heart hands out into the world and so what what does paul want us to know in his experience and what is god trying to teach us through paul's letter here the first one is that leaders begin with their own leaders begin with their own paul says they should manage their own household well they should Mm -hmm. see to it that their children have respect because if they don't know how to manage their own How can they take care of God's church? Hmm. Not everybody has uh, a spouse and kids, but this principle applies to everyone because everyone can be a leader, right? What this reveals is that our private life reveals our public life and leaders own their home. Hmm. Leaders own their sphere of influence. It's an intentionality. It's a dedication. They look out for friends. They look out for family. They look out for self. If you live by yourself, what does your home look like? What practices do you have in there where you're influencing your home to be going in the right direction? But even with your friend group, I mean, you may not have spouse and kids, or if you do have a spouse and kids, or if you do have grandchildren, I mean, you, you get it. You own your own, and this is how we begin. We begin to desire that good thing that Paul has, says is good for us to, 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 
to own our sphere of influence and, and help influence them in the right direction. Paul isn't asking Timothy to find perfect leaders with perfect families. I think it has to do more with the discipline of intentionality and dedication. People who are thinking about this intentionally on purpose and they are dedicated to their people and they are intentionally owning that influence to help people go in the direction that they think they want to go. This is Bobby Knight uh, at the time, the winningest men's uh-huh. basketball coach of all time in his time. And he says, it has always been my thought that the most important single ingredient to success in athletics or life, this is why we're using this quote, is discipline. I've many times felt that this word is the most ill-defined in all our language. My definition, he says, my definition of the word is as follows. Do what has to be done when it has to be done as well as it can be done do it that way all the time. Do you see the idea behind this? Intentionality, dedication, the discipline of those two things. This is where leadership begins. It starts with our own friends, family, self, and is built on the disciplines of these intentionality, dedication. So here's my question for y'all, starting here. What are you intentionally doing at home to help your own grow towards Jesus? What are you doing? I'm well, I really like Bobby Knight uh, a, a leadership style, so I throw chairs a lot. No. Um, <laughs> uh, look it up on YouTube if you need to see that. Um, for us, it's just uh, staying in the Word and trying to pray more. Um, the other day, we were praying about something small. Um, I forgot what it, what it what it even was, but I was just like, I feel like we need to pray, and we just prayed out loud while we were driving in the car. Um, so remembering to pray, um, in, intentionally, discipline wise, um, I'm still trying to listen to daily audio Bible every day. Uh, quarantine has kind of got me backed up a little bit. Um, don't drive as much because I usually listen to it while I'm driving. Um, and then we've been watching more um, Bible Project videos. Oh my goodness, if you need to know more about the word like the bible project is crazy good we're even thinking about taking now they're offering like classes we're even thinking about taking a class so um for julianne and i we don't have littles um if we did have little ones uh it would be a lot of singing and a lot of reading the bible and maybe reading some narnia i hope to do all those things um uh but for julianne and i it's yeah it's bible project videos and daily audio bible for me what you two do together now is going to be the foundation for whatever comes next. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to answer this question. Uh, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have like a regularly scheduled program in our home, and so it's uh, it's very fluid. But I think the things that we keep doing over and over again are one. Um, Lately, especially during quarantine, when there's an issue, uh, getting together and praying. And I'll be honest with you, my reluctant they're like mom come on now do we really have to do this uh but i think even um in their reluctancy making it known in our home that that's kind of like where we go to first Mm -hmm. um and so they're gonna do what they want to do i love them dearly but they are growing into their own humans and so that's why i make them come in and do it with us as a family uh to set the tone for hopefully for the for the rest of their lives so that they know it's important to me, and hopefully it'll be important to them. Um, 
that's the biggest thing I can think of right now. And then just gratitude. We've been doing this a couple of years now. We don't do it consistently, but we do it often. Um, when we gather around the table before dinner time, we do we say grace. We pot, we we go around. Everyone you know says something that they're grateful for. When we're saying grace, but also like we do um, questions. We, I bought this book a couple years ago. Uh, it was actually recommended to me by. Um, Randy, Randy Shepard, and it's like a hundred or a thousand and one uh, questions. It's like a, uh, to get to know your kids more. Oh, cool. So helping them know where my intentions are and getting to know where their intentions are. Yeah. Um, so perfect. Yeah. Love it. I was thinking too about prayer with my kids too, and the same. They are like so resistant, and I just trust that as we are intentional and dis- dedicated. I was too. Um, that it'll stick sometime, someday. Um, they will look back with fondness about it, you know, praying at bedtime, praying before meals, trying to get them to pray more. Um, it is just so hard to cook food and then sit down and then get every, and it's just, I mean, it's very difficult. And it, kids do not make it easy, but it's one of those things that we just have said, this is going to be a priority and we're going to do this. And food doesn't touch our mouth until prayer comes out of it. And, uh, mm. that is the tricky part That's good. because I'm plating food. I sit in my kids down with food and they're just like, of mindful not only, eating exercise. It's too. not even like, Oh, you're praying before you're eating before you pray. It's like you're eating before mom and dad sat down. That is so disrespectful. So if, if it makes you feel any better, half your dessert. When I was a teenager and when I was little, it was I was very resistant, and um, I would I remember my dad would be like, "We never skip church. We went every Sunday." Yeah, and I would I would intentionally fall asleep underneath his chair, and like just obstinate. Uh, and then, you know, later in high school, it just became like really good to see friends. Mm-hmm. But then now it's like, I can't miss it for my own spiritual. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully they don't turn ex- out exactly like me, but hopefully they're <laughs> similar. Their story is similar yeah. to the, you know, mine yeah. that the implanting of it and this is what we do. The power of this is what we do will pay off. Yeah. It's just, you know. The intentionality, the discipline. Of As a teacher, I know getting kids to do stuff is <laughs> exhausting. Yeah, and I just, I have a lot of grace with it, too, kind of like what you were saying. I remember, I've talked about my grandma the last couple of weeks, but um, one of the things that I remember about her is that she prayed about everyone by name. Yeah. And we have a huge extended family, you know? (laughs) And so prayers ended up going very, very long. So I was very resistant as a child, too. Yeah. But for me, it it stuck. It stuck. And so. um, It'll stick. Yeah, I'm just hoping that it's going to do the same. And you always want to balance it between like you don't want to be too hard on them because you don't want to resent it. But it's something we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to our next point. What does God want us to experience in this uh, in this word and this letter from Paul to Timothy? What he wants us to feel or experience in our heart is that leaders. This is the second principle. Invest in integrity. Leaders, good leaders, mm. godly leaders, invest in integrity. I, I can't. I'm not going to read the whole passage to you again, but I highlighted all the things that, uh, that the characteristics that Paul says a leader needs to have. Uh, there is 14 to 15 of them. You can go through and count depending on your translation. And of the 14 to 15 characteristics of leaders here, all but one is about character. Only one of them has to do with a skill. All the rest of them have to do with our character. I mean, I'll just read a few of them, right? Uh, Faithful to your spouse, without fault, honest, modest, hospitable, uh, not addicted, right? Not a bully, 
peaceable, gentle, not greedy, right? Uh, these are all characteristic. Uh, these are all traits, character traits that we are to develop into us because Paul is communicating a vital principle that good godly leaders invest in integrity. Anyone can be a leader, we believe, because it's character that matters more than competency. It's character over skill, and all of us can develop, develop the character uh, that God wants for us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we move and grow towards Jesus Christ. The best leaders are those who invest in their integrity. This is just true. Uh, I think this is true. We're seeing a moment in our world where oh, people are, are demanding that leaders have more integrity. But this is also true because it comes uh, from Scripture. You can't be a good leader without good character. Uh, we're talking about character over competency or even charisma, right? Sometimes we elect or have or raise up leaders because uh, a lot of people like them, but it it's, has less to do with skill, has less to do with charisma, and it has more to do with the type of character uh, that God is, is, is bringing about in all of us. I'm thinking of the anointing of David, the story in the Old Testament, where they had a king who was, it says, he was ahead, this is King Saul, he was ahead over everyone else in Israel, a big, tall, burly warrior of a man. It was natural that everyone gravitated towards him to be king. But then God rejects King Saul and wants to find a new king. And so he raises up this prophet Samuel and tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse Jesse has a number of sons, big, handsome, burly sons. And, and, and Samuel, the prophet says, this is a house full of kings. I'm going to find one in here. And he starts looking at the oldest, big, tall, muscle-bound uh, guy. And he says, maybe this is the one. And the Lord reveals to him, not this one. I don't look out at outward appearances. I look at the inside, the heart. Samuel goes all the way down the line to the last brother who they didn't even bring in because they assumed that he wasn't fit to be king. He was out tending the sheep, short, small, ruddy. The scripture says he's ruddy. Um, and God says, that's the one. It's this shepherd, this young one. That's the one who's going to be the next king. The Lord does not look at outward appearances. It's that character. It's that heart. That's the thing that God says makes a great leader. Bad character makes us susceptible to traps of pride and power. Twice, Paul tells us about the devil's traps. And so I'm wondering if you're struggling here. Because I know the world doesn't always agree that this is the best kind of leader. Sometimes maybe we feel like, and maybe you're struggling with, uh, maybe we have, to, we have to lie to get ahead, right? Or we have to amass a huge amount of following. Or the more possessions we can get, the more we can show people that we actually are successful. Maybe they'll, they'll put us in the places that we want to be. There's a lot of ways in which we struggle with the world's definition of leadership and what God is saying makes a great leader. And so my question for us is what are you doing right now to invest in your character, especially during the pandemic? Because good leaders invest in integrity. So what are you doing? Go for it. Um, I can go first. Julianne and I um, are observing because a lot of the times that's all we could do <laughs> just because we're at home. So we're just observing and watching and thinking about how our actions are viewed because we're viewing other people's actions so much. And I think uh, just working on um, how can I improve rather than being critical of others. 
um, really trying to work on a not a spirit of criticalness, Crit- criticism. Yeah, a spirit of criticism, but instead going, uh, you know, what can I do if, if I, I want to learn from that and ch- and di- be different from that? Um, so uh, probably the biggest character trait. Um, that we've learned from this time uh, is that we want to love people like we have someone that we are directly related to is like them. Uh, we d- we've just noticed uh, people have a lot more compassion for someone who is a certain way or, you know, a skin color, a color or a, uh, you know, w- all the other definite, you know, kinds of people there are if they love someone who is does that make sense <laughs> yeah, it makes sense to i me. know it's convoluted <laughs> but it just applies in so many ways it's like yeah it, it, it's like uh well you don't love someone who is blank unless you have a son who is blank yeah or you have a best friend who is blank yeah. so we want to what we've learned probably the number one character trait that we're working on right now is to love somebody even if we don't have a yeah. relative who is blank but as if Decrease that empathy. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, empathy. It's just it's uh, really uh, practical and hardcore empathy of just going. I'm gonna. I want to try to love you like you were someone who is directly in my life because we have a lot of people uh, hurting that we see that aren't directly in our life and we don't have influence, you know, with them at a national level or you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I want to love them just the same way I- as if they were my best friend, yeah. sort of thing. Love that. Thank you for sharing. Anything uh, come into mind for you? Yeah, but I'm not really sure <laughs> how it fits. <laughs> I think for me uh, lately, um, I don't know. You guys just talked about like you, there is so much going on uh, right now. And for me, uh, there's a bit of tension. There's a bit of anger. Um, but I want to listen to what the Bible says about anger. Um, it's not something that I should fear. It's a r- there. It, it is in, p- in me because God created me. Uh, but what am I going to do with that anger? And so for me right now, it is um, being slow to speak because the anger is just coming uh, and, and then waiting in it so that the relationships that I have continue to be um, healthy relationships yeah. that I can listen, be silent, and give God time to speak to me about why it is causing me anger yeah. so that I can come to the table with uh, some valid um I don't know, not opportunities, but solutions yeah. uh, to the things that are causing a big stir in my heart. Um, and also in that silence, like a couple a couple weeks ago, I put together um, a prayer night, which again was a lot of silence. It wasn't mm-hmm. us coming together as a big congregation and uh, lots of loud praise and prayer. It really was um, a silent time. Uh, we had Maddie McCullough up here um, playing some acoustic music and it was just beautiful um, but just spending a lot of time in silent and prayer about the things that are happening in our nation mm-hmm. and in our town um, and in our community and uh, to people that we love awesome so for me I don't know necessarily what character other than humility yeah. Um, yeah. that can come out of that bit of silence and watching what's going on around me uh, so that I can be an active participant but not part of the problem part of the solution love that thank you so much and slow to anger that's a character trait uh, of love is slow to anger and that definitely is one we're working on too um misty says yes matt loving people as your brother or sister which is seems obvious 
but like loving someone as your actual brother or your actual sister is like that's pretty hardcore so uh i'm seeing that with a different lens thanks for affirming that misty um aaron says right now to invest in my integrity i'm educating myself on current issues regarding racism colonialism and how i can unlearn what i've been taught rebuild relearn in a way that is consistent with jesus's teachings and the way Jesus lived and what he stood for. I also continue to go to therapy and also have an accountability group I meet with every Monday morning. Thank you for sharing, Aaron. And your your post, uh, if you haven't seen that, you got to go read that post of Aaron's from Facebook earlier in the week, um, being very transparent about um, what she's going through. And it was just really a huge blessing to a lot of people. So check that out. Yeah, her accountability group's like 6 a.m. on Monday morning. So I'm like, Ooh. what in the world? Uh, what I'm doing, I can be uh, very externally motivated as an extrovert. I like people. I like being around people. And so uh, that people can be a, um external motivation for me. But in this time of not having lots of people, uh, I'm trying to figure out new patterns, uh, new ways of uh, being disciplined, making schedules and following through. So that's what I'm doing is trying to not be so externally motivated and try to make sure that I have that um, – self-discipline to do the things that need to get done just go sit in your driveway car sit watch in my driveway and look at <laughs> cars car watching. Fills me up a little bit last point uh if you have any questions or comments feel free to send them as we begin wrapping up what does god want us to do through this word and, and it's this with our hands we need to serving others this is what good godly leaders do this is how we develop good godly leadership in our life seek success through serving others. Verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, those who have served well gain a good standing and a considerable confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. They have a reward for their leadership and leadership here is defined as service and that reward is that they have an increased faith and so good godly leadership comes through a definition of service. Success for us, uh, uh, for those of us, uh, for it's people who... Uh, we try to get people to serve them. Thank you. Uh, success for us is defined by getting people to serve us, to have a large following. Success for us, it's getting people uh, to have the spotlight put on us, right? It's to get a lot of money. Uh, we promote people to leadership who assert their ego as often mm. as possible, right? To assert themselves, who make the most commands. They're the most confident. They're the most... Uh, giving the directions all the time. These are the kind of people we promote to leadership. We promote people who like to get out front. I said this, make demands to boss people around. But Paul makes the bold statement that leadership is service and mm. success is a deeper faith. He learned this from Jesus who tells us, instead, the greatest among you must become like a person of lower status and the leader like a servant. So which one is greater, Jesus asks, the one who is seated at the table or the one who serves at the table? We would naturally assume the answer is the one who is seated at the table. Jesus says this, isn't it the one who's seated at the table? But yet here I am among you as one who serves, Jesus said. We learn from Jesus and Paul reiterates leadership is service. The best leaders, parents, coaches, friends are the ones who see the needs of others and put their and intentionally serve. My last question for us all, who served you this last week and how did they do it? Go for it. My husband. Yeah, what did he do? <laughs> uh, hey he Jeff. made me coffee and made me eggs this morning. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Thanks, Jeff. 
Um, anytime I see James, he's like, you want a Coke Zero? Which is like very, I mean, that's all I really want ever. <laughs> so it like kind of scratched that e- itch. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Simple, simple little acts action, of service. Acts of service. Go for it. I have another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I won't put her on blast, but there have been a couple of people uh, in our church who know uh, the struggles that I've been going through right now um, with our foster care journey. Um, and so one gal in particular brought me a coffee in this past week and a half uh, early in the morning, which was such a blessing because I could not have needed coffee more <laughs> in that specific moment. Um, and then also a couple just like reaching out to me um, on Facebook just to check in, which again, like was God's God's God led, I feel like, because it couldn't have happened uh, at a better time. Um, so yeah, those two things. I might know that lady. She might bring me coffee every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks. And notice they're, they're small things that make a difference in people's weeks. For me, I met with a, a two pastors. One's retired and one has moved into becoming a professor. And so they are out of the church game and into different areas of their life. But we meet um, uh, every couple weeks and we read some scripture and we read some books together. And we I get to go up to Rackerby and just sit in the pine trees. And they host and they're hospitable and they make the food. And I just show up and listen to Brilliance. And it's just really life-giving to me, um, just someone who opened their home and we sat outside and they made some delicious food and the best coffee I've ever had. It's like an Italian espresso machine. It's like, wow, <laughs> Rackerby. <laughs> and so I appreciate them um, and just, yeah, just opening home, having good conversation, uh, praying for me. Those are people that have prayed for, uh, served me this week. Let's wrap this up and move into a time of communion. What does God want us to know with our head? That leaders begin intentionally dedicated with their own, in their own homes, with their own selves, family, friends, uh, their group around them. With our heart, what does God want us to experience? Uh, it's that leaders invest in integrity first and foremost, prioritizing character over competency and charisma. And lastly, what does God want us to do with our hands? We just talked about this. Leaders seek success through serving others. This is good godly leadership everyone it is open to everyone and god is encouraging you to own your spheres of influence um, starting with an investing in your own integrity and and defining a good leadership as service to those around us would you pray with me let us pray father god thank you for this time together thank you for your word to us thank you for your encouragement that we can be leaders to those around us by owning the influence that we actually have Everybody has influence with the people around them. Thank you for giving us some principles about how to do it well. Thank you for letting it start with us, right, with our own integrity. It doesn't even have to start with the world or with our communities or our neighborhoods, but it starts with the people closest to us. It starts with our own characters that you are working in and transforming so that we can be the type of leader that you have for us, the type of influencer. Father, would your Holy Spirit be working in us even now? As we come to a time of communion, would it be spiritual nourishment for us to develop those characteristics that you want for us? Honesty, goodness, right? Not controlled by outside things, not greedy, but a heart that seeks after you, that desires to be like you. Would this bread and this cup be for us a a moment, a decision moment where we decide to let our faith grow deeper in you 
that we would reject the world's, world's way of influence, the world's definition of success, and center ourselves on what you have for us. And we will give you praise and thanks. Would you now pray with me the Lord's Prayer as Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.